When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are your plans for the rest of the year? Eat bread and desserts and just get all fat and sassy. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's a beautiful network. It's Tuesday, December 7th. I'm J.E. Skeets. Alongside me, as always, that's Tass Mellis. Hey, fellas. What's up, Tassie? We've got our top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. hey Hey, The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Certainly not least, making the magic happen, super producer JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Shout out to the stream team. Joining us live right now on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment, share. Quick heads up, later today, right here on this very feed, on this YouTube feed, we'll have a new No Breaks, which is our F1 podcast with TK and Graydon Gordy. And that one goes live at 2 p.m. Eastern if you want to join the boys in the paddock. Otherwise, we'll flip that into a podcast as soon as humanly possible. 2 p.m. Eastern if you're an F1 fan or if you're just sort of new to the sport, like I know a lot of us are with the Drive to Survive on Netflix. You guys do a great job. I got to say that. Especially, like, Graydon Gordian is so good. Like, you got questions for him, and he can, like, really tell you because he's been a longtime fan of, like, what the hell's going on, right, TK? Exactly right. We usually say this about Survivor. Now's a great time to get in for no. F1. We got only one race you got to care about. And, like you're saying, Skeets, Graydon actually knows what he's talking about. So, anytime I have a dumb question, when you were on, you were asking him dumb questions, he's got a smart answer for I it. Know. It's perfect. He's really, really good at this stuff. All right. We got a fun podcast here today. We're talking more trades. Later on in the show, I'm going to hit you guys with some trades for the Blazers to make. Get your opinions on them. You know, moving everybody basically except Damian Lillard, if that's the first step that the Blazers ultimately try and decide to do. So I'll throw some at you at you guys, and you guys can, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down them or tweak them a bit, whatever you want. But let's start with the games because there was a lot of games on last night. We'll start with DeMar DeRozan having to enter COVID-19 health and safety protocols soon before the Bulls game, but that's okay. In the end, they go on to get the victory against the Nuggets, who are very shorthanded as well. Zach Levine scored 32 TK to get the uh, Chicago win. But unfortunate news with DeRozan, of course, right on the heels of being named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Yeah, no doubt. It's been a blessed start for the Bulls, despite the fact they've had some injuries. They've had some uh, COVID protocol concerns, like you're saying, but they're 17-8 and right now, second in the East, undefeated against the first-place team. They had that great West Coast road trip where they swept both games in L.A., then they swept couple more games in New York City as well, but I've actually found a couple of things really challenging with this team. Number one, I like to wear Bulls gear on the show the day after a big win, and it's getting hard to keep up with this laundry as the Bulls (laughs) stack win after win after win after win. And number two, 
It can be hard to find the words to express just how back the Chicago Bulls are because like you're saying, Skeets, DeRozan was a scratch about two hours before tip-off right after he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Some of y'all might have started thinking, I don't know, the Bulls might not be back. As it turns out, even more back than you could imagine. No DeRozan, no Kobe White, no Javante Green. They're all in COVID protocols right now. Even Stacey King missed the game last night. We had silly Billy Wennington on the call. <laughs> Alex Caruso, a late scratch as well with a hamstring injury. Patrick Williams, he's out right now, likely for the season due to wrist surgery. So five of the Bulls. Top 10 guys are out, and it did not matter because the Nuggets are equally shorthanded, and the Bulls have not one, but two all-NBA MVP candidates. Last night, it was Zach Levine, 32 points, a season-high eight assists, and honestly dominated in the third quarter. Had 12 points, had three assists. The step-backs were looking nice. The twisty layups were looking Jordan-esque. He played the entire quarter and keyed every single Bulls run. They had a 7-0 run. They had an 8-1 run. They had a 7-0 run. He went into takeover mode on a night when the Bulls really, really needed it. Levine was the star last night, but this was a team win. 20 points, 10 rebounds, four threes, and four blocks for Lonzo Ball last night. He put an exclamation point on the W, catching a huge oop midway through the fourth quarter in this one. Sweet Vucci, baby. He couldn't shoot. <laughs> Eight for 24, still put up 20 and 10. Hit a big three in the fourth quarter because that's what he does. Most importantly, helped hold Nikola Jokic to a quiet triple-double, 17 points on 17 shots. And honestly, the Bulls looked better defensively when it was just Vucevic straight up against Jokic. Anytime the Bulls were doubling, it was an easy three-pointer for the Nuggets. So in the second half, Vuce was just competing defensively, made it tough on Jokic. And I got to give a huge shout-out to Ayo Dasumu. His first career start got introduced as from Chicago, played a career-high 41 minutes and 50-something seconds, finished with 11 points. Six boards, eight assists. Derek Jones Jr. was good. Troy Brown Jr. was good. Tony Bradley, he was back in the rotation. He was good. Even Matt Thomas hit a three last night. The Bulls could have turtled this one away. Instead, one of the best wins of the season. Incredible stuff. I saw people saying they were the best team in the Eastern Conference last ooh, night. Kind of tough to say, considering we're going to be talking about the Bucks next. Nonetheless, awesome win for Doppels last yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, Tass, we didn't have you on yesterday's show, and one of the questions we were asking was, are the Bulls like squarely in the upper echelon, that upper tier of Eastern Conference teams? Like, Do you include the Chicago Bulls at this point of the season here? Especially with these victories, missing guys, like Trey took us through with DeRozan there, the star player probably from this season. Are they right there with the Bucks and Nets? Are they still a tier below them in your mind? Or is there anybody else in that mix? What do you think, Tess? Yeah, they're definitely part of that tier. If they've got Trey Kirby wearing undershirts just to preserve his dirtbag move, he's got oh, an wow. undershirt oh on. God. The self-proclaimed dirtbag move with the sweater on top. You've got to wear undershirts now. That's a double bulls. you got a bulls on top and a bulls double underneath. Double bulls? What does it mean? <laughs> I like that you're calling it a dirtbag move. I thought it was a scumbag, uh, Steve. Yeah, I love it. Uh, same, same deal. Chuck Swirsky, they're dancing here on YouTube if you missed it. It was cool to see Chuck Swirsky and Bill Wennington on front row there. I was watching the in-game arena stuff going on. It was good to see a Billy chomping on some gum there courtside and, and Chucky Swirsky there, our good old friend from Toronto. Yeah, I think they definitely belong there. It stinks for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, having to go into safe, health and safety protocols, as Bill Don, uh, Billy Donovan said, that he was 
He's been extremely careful, and I'm not sure how Billy Donovan knows that. Are they hanging out all the time? But I guess uh, he knows that he's been extremely careful, and he's had to enter health and safety protocols. It stinks because DeMar's had such a great start to the season. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's cool to see last year's Zach Levine again, uh, just having to do everything. Because it's cool to see how he's evolved. And I like to focus on Zach Levine sometimes. I can only focus on one player at a time. It's, it's hard for me to focus on multiple players. But it's cool to see Zach Levine and what he's turned into over the last several years because it was uh, a, a crazy athletic guy, you know, for the first few years. And, and he's just so fun to watch because he's so, so unique athletically. And I think myself, others included, wondered, is he just going to be a crazy athlete and not really turn into a basketball player? But now he's got every move in the bag. There was the move he went right at Nikola Jokic. He had a little sort of a push dribble, pushed it ahead towards the baseline and then just rose up and hit over him. At any point, you can think, oh, maybe Zach Levine's kind of lost in his move, and then he'll just rise up because he can jump over anybody. So it's kind of cool to see last year Zach Levine, that, like Trey described there, where he had to kind of do everything. But Trey also described going through the roster, Io from Chicago and Matt Thomas, the day he had his little avatar on basketballreference.com. Was that a coincidence <laughs> that he came out and played yesterday? I almost didn't recognize him on basketball reference, but he came out and played yesterday. Everybody on that roster, Troy Brown, all the way down. It's a deep team. And uh, as Zach Levine said uh, after the game, it's worn on him that they've been losing year after year after year, but a different mindset in Chicago. And yeah, they've got to be uh, part of the, the top tier. I don't see how you don't include them. Back to uh, Trey wearing a Bulls t-shirt under his Bulls sweatshirt while he wears a Bulls hat. Uh, Ofek here in the uh, stream team says, it's like when you cut open a bell pepper and there's a little pepper inside of it. That's like yeah. TK with his Bulls merch. I, I always do love when you find a secret pepper inside a pepper, and, and that's Trey right now. Ali, do you have anything to add about the Bulls are back and all that stuff? And why don't you ever say Homer on TK when you talking about his Bulls? You would never fucking stop when I was talking about the Raptors. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to sully the mood. Trey's so happy right now. It has been a yeah, while since the Bulls have been back, and it's fun to see. Uh, it's like also one of those Russian dolls, you know, where you take it off and there's yes. just another one, little, a little, a miskina, I think it's called, something like that. Anyway, I really just want to focus on two players. Ayo uh, uh, Dasunmu, I thought, was just incredible. Trey uh, obviously uh, touched on him there. He got the start, and it really says a lot about a rookie who can come into the starting lineup and play the way that he did because this guy, I believe, earned his spot there primarily because he's worked hard on the defensive end all season long. He's always hustling. He's always trying to get in the way and affect the game on that end because he knows, especially not only just as a rookie, but on a team with so many other guys who can score and shoot and have plays run for them, he's not going to get plays run for him offensively. He has to find ways to be effective, whether that's, you know, getting little tip-ins or putbacks or, or, you know, broken plays that come his way. Mm -hmm. But also, as well, last night you saw just pass to the guys who are the scorers and the shooters on your team because that's a way to get the respect from the veterans and the coach to be like, you know, don't go out there and try to replace DeMar DeRozan's shots and minutes because that's not what he's being asked to do. But instead, go out there and do what you've done by being effective defensively, starting that break in transition, and then just pass the ball to those other guys because that's what you're supposed to do. He'll return to the bench, obviously, when DeRozan comes back. <clears throat> but... He really has shown that he's a mature rookie and he's and he's talked a good game about saying, you know, I've got to be ready, wait for my opportunity and do the right thing. But then he actually went out and proved it. So I think that's really, really good sign for a young guy, second round pick. You know, uh, a lot of rookies, you know, they're impatient. They're not quite ready for the NBA and they're not quite ready for that moment. 
He proved he was last night. And then the other point is Lonzo Ball. I'm going to play psychologist here, which is always fun. I'm going back to that Nets game where DeRozan found him for that three-pointer because he hadn't been shooting the ball all that well. And I do believe those things can have a knock-on effect in the next game. I thought Lonzo Ball was really confident last night shooting the ball. And I think that that comes from the fact that his teammates, you know, trusted him, even though he was having a bit of an off couple of games there. When he needed to step up again, there's more shots there last night without DeRozan. He stepped up and he made them. And he also made the defensive plays. And he was rebounding the ball. So all those things, to me really tell you that the Chicago Bulls team is on the same page right now. DeRozan goes out and it's not like, well, what are we going to do here? Everyone else just sort of lifts, does a little bit more, chips in here and there. And they also understand just what is expected of them. There's no excuses. It's not like, well, DeRozan's not there. We can we can afford to lose this game. They go out there and play just the same way. So really, really good signs to me that this locker room is, uh, is on the same page and, and really in sync with each other. There's been so much talk, too, about, like, Caruso, Defensive Player of the Year. He's got to be in the mix, or at least on an all-defensive team, or you know, which I think he will be maybe in the end. But uh, I think the same should be said about Lonzo Ball. This guy is unbelievable. He is elite on that end. I think he's flirting with, like, he's getting close to, like, two steals per game, and he chips in a block a game uh, at his position, which is sort of rare. So, uh, you know, I'd like to see his name sort of be included there, at least in talks about... Oh, being one of the, uh, and I know he has been before, but it's just been all Caruso, Caruso, Caruso. He's just as good, right, Trey? Like what he can do on the defense end, especially. Yeah, and it was actually kind of funny to see last night because Lonzo had a couple of blocks like in the first couple of minutes of this game. And the way he plays generally, he's like running around like crazy, gambling for steals, gambling for help, trying to get deflections. Uh, and usually that's at its best when Caruso is also on the mm-hmm. floor because Caruso can really make up for a lot of Lonzo's gambles, like cover for his spot where he's left it behind. That was not happening with the Bulls in the first half. Lonzo was running around a little bit too crazy. Uh, it led to a lot of open threes for the Nuggets, so the Bulls decided to play it a little bit more straight in the second half. And Lonzo's just, he's just wreaks havoc. And then he's such, uh, he's so good at then turning defense to offense that it yeah. rubs off on the other Bulls as well. So they're not always a great half-court team, but they're a great full-court team, and a lot of that is Lonzo doing defense to offense. Another cool thing last night, the Bulls had a six-point possession. They Mm. hit a three and got called for a flagrant foul on the old uh, Zaza Pachulia land under, so went to the free-throw line. Lonzo had two free-throws to make one. Very weird. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Hit it, but the Bulls then get the ball back, and they got a dunk. I think it was a Derek Jones Jr. dunk. So they got a four-point play, then the dunk. Six points on one possession, plus the two to make one. That doesn't happen very often. Oh, Mm. that's like like John Schumann's wet dream. That type of stuff. (laughs) Six points on one possession. Oh, my God. Get some... Get some crazy hard. Uh, sorry to put that visual in your head. John Schumann hard. You'll never be able to shake that one all day, will you, Lee? All right. Uh, our next game here, Joel Embiid. A monster. This one got me hard. 43 points. Uh, 76ers held off the pesky Hornets, uh, who are very short man right now. Uh, a lot of guys in uh, health and safety protocols as well. Hornets won. 127, excuse me, Sixers 127, 124 over Charlotte in overtime. I was locked in on this one. Task was one of the earlier games, obviously very, very entertaining. What do you think of this one? Yeah, it came down to the wire, and uh, the Hornets broadcasters thought they were going to pull it out with a very shorthanded team. The Stars 
in the health and safety protocol. No LaMelo ball right now, but it was coming down to the wire. And it's a true small market team with the broadcasters that are true homers. When they're on the broadcast, they're just pulling for the home team. They're just yearning for the home team. And they were just saying, basically, with four minutes left, they had the lead. It looked like... Yeah, it looked like they could pull it out, and they're just saying, we just need a couple stops. We just need a couple stops, and this will be a signature win, a huge win. This could turn our season around, uh, and, and that made it fun because uh, then Joel Embiid ripped their heart out because it was pretty fun to see the Joel Embiid of last year. Just talked about Zach Levine of last year. Embiid mm-hmm. has been, you know, not quite himself, not quite the runner-up uh, in the MVP voting, and I thought he had his best game in this one. Everything going through him. Charlotte had no answer for him. He had a 42-point night a couple weeks ago. He's playing Carl Anthony Towns. But this one was 43 uh, against the Hornets team. Again, that's too small. So they're doubling him. And he only took two threes in this one. So it was pretty cool. And that jump shot with 30 seconds left. It looks like a bad shot for a lot of big men. Uh, but he was able to tie the game from the mid-range where is where he killed everyone last year. That is where Joel Embiid made his money last year. They just were able to find him with, you know, those entry passes in the mid post because the Sixers do and did in this game struggle to get him the ball in the post. Bad passes, bad angles, just struggling to find it there. But if Joel Embiid, like with 30 seconds left, can take the ball up top and just drag his defender into the mid-range and hit shots like he did last year at an incredible rate. That's why he was so good. Uh, they're unstoppable, and that's how uh, the the Sixers pulled this one off. Uh, and Kelly Oubre helped out by taking a bad shot there, although he had a big three, and then he took a bad shot because that's yeah. the Kelly Oubre experience. But, uh, yeah, the Hornets almost pulled it out. But, uh, yeah, they, without LaMelo Ball really running the show, I thought that kind of hurt at the end with that Oubre shot. But, yeah, great, great effort at home. Um, in the uh, yeah the the gradient jerseys the Kelly Ombre jerseys and they almost <laughs> almost pulled that would have been a, a, as much as Dell um, and, and uh, Eric Collins wanted it the broadcasters there that would have been a really big win but yeah that was a that was a dagger there by uh, by Joel Embiid to pull it into overtime and then yeah they pulled it off. Yeah, what a monster line. The 43 points, 15 boards, 7 assists on 15 to 20 shooting for Embiid, 12 of 14 at the line there as well, Lily. And I think Tass is right. That's what I thought watching this game. I was like, oh yeah, Joel Embiid last year was a legit MVP guy. And, you know, hasn't really been the case for a whole chunk of this season because he missed a big chunk of it too with uh, with his own worries there with, with COVID and he's talked about that. So um, it was cool to be reminded of like, oh yeah, this guy can... Can sort of tilt to playoff series, or you know, obviously like a, a favorite even in an Eastern Conference when he plays like that. Because when the mid range is going, I don't really know how you stop him. No, and it certainly helps when they don't really have a big tall guy who can uh, who <laughs> no. can get up there. To <laughs> stop PJ him. Washington yeah. trying to that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's I mean that's a problem that the the Hornets have faced a lot this yeah. season. Plumlee's out right now anyway. So and and, and yeah, Plumlee's not a great defender, but he's at least taller, can maybe get his hand yeah. up a little bit higher than Washington. But all things considered, yeah, the Hornets had a chance to win this game. They still nearly could pull it off. Uh, Kelly Oubre, I mean, what a what a fantastic overall game he had. But he did have uh, like that missed layup at the start of overtime as well so he had a couple of those plays that just kind of take a little off the table despite the six threes that he had going into the starting lineup but yeah Eric Collins a couple of times I mean openly just like saying oh Embiid settling bang knocked it in Embiid settling bang <laughs> even Dell pulled him into line and said you can't say that's settling because that's his shot because <laughs> he can't miss <laughs> exactly yeah. he's knocking those in so uh it was great but Embiid also talked about 
I think, you know, he's had that coronavirus, so he was out for a while, and that probably affected his conditioning. And he sort of said he was looking back at tape, and he's got to establish a bit more of that uh, position down low because that's where he really is unstoppable, again, especially against smaller guys. Now, they're tougher guys, but Embiid is just a better player. So it was good to see him really put his dominance on this game last night. He only had... Seven points in the fourth quarter and six in the overtime. Now, I say only because it felt like he had way more than that. It right. felt like it was one of those games where he had, you look at the box score and he said, well, he must have had, you know, 18 points in the fourth quarter. He didn't quite dominate in that aspect, but his presence was clearly the difference here between these two teams. But the crowd last night seemed really into it as well. Charlotte's not one of those arenas that you looked at where the crowd's going crazy, but they were last night because it was such a, an entertaining game. So really good win uh, for the Sixers to pull that out. Good performance by the Hornets, all things considered. But uh, yeah, Eric Collins and Del Curry must listen to those guys. They're always so entertaining. Oh, man. Collins was going nuts on a couple uh, of dunks last night, too. JT Thor and the hammer. (laughs) And then uh, Book Knight had a huge putback dunk in the uh, fourth quarter where Collins was uh, losing his mind. Yeah, I mean, if the Hornets are playing... I'm always listening to the Hornets broadcast. I, I mean, it's it's just too it's just too much fun. It makes the game so much more enjoyable. And the Hornets play a bunch of these insane games too. That's no one thing. plays like, defense. They don't play defense. Yeah, yeah right. that's awesome. Uh, I think they've given up like 130 points or thereabouts to almost every opponent this year. The JT Thor dunk was hilarious. Of course, Eric Collins hits us with he threw a lightning bolt. That's expected, yeah, yeah. right? The right. guy's last name is Thor. My favorite line he had on it, though, was, I think he just cleared his sinuses, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> Literally, what does that mean? The only uh, the only bigger question I had was afterwards, uh, according to the AP, Doc Rivers uh, called this game for Joel Embiid a feed-the-pig game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't like that at all. <laughs> Very much like bore on the floor. <laughs> Very disgusting, but I like to see the deeper post-ups from Embiid. Like, he does have a nice mid-range jumper. I feel like he can get a little bit too Patrick Ewing at times, where he would rather shoot the mid-ranger than get that boost inside, but... Only five misses on the night. He got started inside and then worked his way out to the mid-range game. He's taken double-digit free-throw attempts in four or five games since coming back from COVID. So you can tell he's uh, rounding in this shape and really mashing guys down low. Yeah, Tobias Harris was also good, I think, for the Sixers last night. I think a, a 20-10 and 10 game, 21-11, and 11, something like that, contributing there. He had been in and out of this lineup, too. So Sixers, I think I heard, maybe they're on the Daily Ding this morning. First time the Sixers have won back-to-back games in like a month. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, obviously they want to start rising back up the Eastern Conference standings as they get these players back. And we wait and see whether or not they, uh, of course, make a move. All right, let's keep it going here. The Hawks <laughs> hit 25 three-pointers. 25 to beat the Timberwolves. 121-110. Get it started, Lee. Well, the Hawks needed a convincing victory because they lost the night before at home to the Hornets and then on Friday night at home to the Sixers. Now, okay, that's fine. The Sixers are a team that they can afford a loss to. And then they came out last night and just pounded Minnesota from deep. 25 threes, as you mentioned, only 49 attempts. And every single player except for Clint Capella hit a three for the Hawks last night. Timothy Luawu Cabareo went seven for 14 Was in the start. Was that your wine order? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Collins. Only Italian ones. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no Frenchies. Uh, Trey hit four. Danilo Gallinari off the bench had four. Uh, Kevin Huerta had two. Uh, Gorgi Jang even hit three last night. So honestly, the Timberwolves didn't play terrible. They didn't defend the three-point line well, but they were just chasing the Hawks all night. And the Hawks just didn't cool off. 
And so, you know, this is this is a real modern day game, the way it's played, where you just came down and was like, everyone spreads the floor out. And if everyone gets hot, becomes contagious. We know that sometimes teams can go just as cold from outside as the Hawks got hot last night. And the Timberwolves just didn't really have an answer. They didn't have D'Angelo Russell last night. Now, I'm not sure that helps them defensively, but offensively, uh, they could have used him out there to uh, at least try to keep up with the Hawks, but they just weren't able to. Timberwolves, another one of those little runs they go on where it's like, are they okay or are they not very very good. Last night was uh, more in the column of like, they just, they just, they just can't seem to ever solidify a position where you think, okay, maybe this team is good. Edwards and Cat, sure, fine. But uh, they were just down last night and just never really got into the game because they couldn't stop the Hawks hitting threes. I mean, like I say, when everyone off the bench is just coming out there firing away like that, uh, it's pretty hard to stop. And Chris Finch, Finchy, he talked about their defensive effort and it's like, Yep, you can talk about it all you want. But if a team's lining you up for four straight quarters, then it's really on the players, I think. Tass, I know you were locked in a little bit on this Hawks-Wolves game. I saw you tweeting about it last night. Anything to add to uh, Lily's breakdown there from a from a very solid Hawks win there on a back-to-back situation? Yeah, franchise record 25 threes because uh, Timothy Luau Cabrera was not part of the game plan for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They just left him open understandable he went seven of 14 from three bang 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 that was huge and Danilo Gallinari looked like uh it was 10 years ago he looked spry off the bench he looked like a totally different guy uh he looked like he was having some Italian wine now Lee Mm. uh, are you saying there was only Italian wines on the on the wine list because you missed a section I I told him Tass on yesterday's show too I told you right then but anyways it doesn't matter the wine the wine was fine no matter what JD says uh it was fine I didn't say it was bad. bad what are you talking about no yeah oh I thought you said it was pissy I thought you used the word that. pissy. No, he definitely didn't say that. Oh. What was the word you used? A delicious? I don't know. What I don't uh, remember saying anything bad about the wine he ordered. Everybody relax. JD did he didn't mind the wine that Lee picked at our Christmas dinner on Friday night. People You're were upset me because up, I man. said Shiraz sucks. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, people were upset. Which it does. I stand by that. It's horrible. <laughs> but, you know, it's a grape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't come at me because of a single grape. There's a whole <laughs> litany of delicious wines out there. I just don't like Shiraz. Anyways, carry on. There are a lot of grapes. There are a lot of grapes out there when you think about it. There's hundreds, millions of grapes. You just Name don't think of that. There's a lot of grapes out there. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Danilo Gallinari was squishing some grapes between his feet. He looked great out there. 25 threes. Yeah, they were just moving the ball so nicely. Uh, the, the Hawks, uh, I think, were a little pissed off after their last their last loss uh, on the weekend. And, uh, yeah, they, they looked like they turned it around. Now, the Wolves didn't have uh, D'Angelo Russell, and I think that was a big part of why they looked the way they looked. And Carl Anthony Towns coming back from uh, from that injury in his first game. Uh, but, yeah, the Hawks weren't going to lose this this game the way they were moving it around. 25 doesn't seem like it should be a franchise high for that team the way they let it fly. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it is a lot of threes, even in today's game. All right, our next game, just really quickly here. Um, Giannis scored 27 points on his 27th birthday as the Bucks beat the Cavs 112-104. It gets even better than that because Bleacher Report pointing out that he also played 
in 27 minutes. No. Lily, you like the numbers? Are you a numerologist? Lily? <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? Mm. Uh, I really just wanted to ask you, Lee, what you did on your 27th birthday. And if you have I, a photo, you could show us. Uh, yes. <laughs> Give me a minute and I'll get one because it was the... Just uh, tell me about it, okay? It, it was the uh, Champions League final in 2003 at uh, Old Trafford in Manchester. It was AC Milan versus Juventus. I was there for that game. It was on my birthday. So uh, Your 27th birthday? Yes, May 28, 2003. You, you, you honestly amaze me. I was getting ready for the show this morning, showering, thinking, oh, I'll ask Lee what he did on his 27th birthday. I doubt he'll even know because I was like, I don't know what I did on my 27th birthday. No clue, but of course you know. You know exactly where you were and you have a photo that you're searching for right now. Yes, I am. <laughs> anyway, from this game, another feisty performance from the Cavs task. Like, they're... They're in a lot of these games. They were they had a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, come up short, but that's okay. The fight is there. But the uh, yeah, the Bucks are just too good when their three guys are playing. They're still undefeated. If anybody's keeping track, when Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday are in the lineup, so that's good. Uh, Giannis hit all three of his threes last night. Also nice, twelve boards. You know, he was returning from this sore right calf. The Bucks had split those two games that he missed, so they're they're not too upset with that. But also an insane insane stat in the AP report: the Bucks are forty three and four, forty three and four against the Central Division since Budenholzer took over as coach in two thousand eighteen. Holy crap! That is, I know it's I know the Bulls have had some rough years, right? Right, uh, um, TK. And yeah, there's a lot of pissing teams in the Central Division. Pistons. And who's the final one? I'm forgetting. Cavs, Bulls, Pistons, Boo. Pacers. And then the Pacers have Pacers. been the best of the Pacers. four. That's, that's wild, though. Only four losses? I mean, <laughs> some of those teams are bad. You guys are right. But yeah. that's, still, this is the NBA. That's, <laughs> yes. that's a crazy stat. <laughs> so uh, they have taken care of business against the uh, Central Division. I'm sure uh, the uh, – uh, <laughs> what's that na- – the, 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 that site that you referenced there with the with the trade the other day, the the NAN, NBA the, Analysis Network, I NBA think it was. Analysis Network, that's yeah. the one. I'm sure they've got a report on it. They love wow. doing division reports. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. They go division by division, hard on the division. Uh, so yeah, Giannis, he, yeah, he just he pulled it out at the end. I think it is easy to forget, as he said, that they haven't been healthy. I know we talk about Brook Lopez a lot, but everybody has been in and out of the lineup. So unbeaten with their big three. And uh, feeling good about themselves as they're, you know, part of the Nets Bulls uh, little triumvirate at the top there. Yeah. They feel great. And Yanis, yeah, he it was it was in the fourth quarter where he just kind of like finished the game. And uh, I had picked the Cavs to cover that six and a half point spread, and then Yanis just splashed a three in the Ooh. last minute just to mm. to ice it. But the Cavs are always going to be there for sure. They're always going to fight. And, uh, yeah, they're not going to cover if Giannis Tetkumpo was hitting three-pointers. Yeah, he looks he looks great. A couple games off, feeling good on his 27th birthday. Looking Happy fresh. birthday, Yanni. Uh, well, did you find it, Lee? I mean, I what's, what's, what's taking just... so long? Come on, I just want to see this photo now. That's definitely going to be underwhelming. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be you standing outside a building. Let's see it. Here we go. Happy 27th birthday. Oh, it's standing inside a building. Hey. <laughs> hey. Okay, this one's actually pretty A Labatt good. blue shirt. Oh, my what God. Head, Why are you wearing a Labatt blue T-shirt? <laughs> well, that was... The world uh, is in that bag. What you got in that bag? Yeah, you know, I lived in Canada for a year before that, so uh, I was still in my uh, Canadian, you know, sort of phase there. But uh, Yeah, but you got that a- shirt free in a case of beer. That's... 
You didn't buy it. Probably. That, yeah, yeah. No, probably. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, hey, hey, happy belated birthday to you. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate 20, it. Appreciate for your 27th birthday. <laughs> 27th, uh, yeah. All right. Great one. Uh, the other games from last night, I'll just throw them all at you, Tass, go wherever you want. Um, Grizzlies won their fifth straight, led by Desmond Bain and his big arms, and then Dylan Brooks and his crazy face. Uh, the Thunder rallied to beat the uh, Pistons. They ended their eight-game skid. Yeah, OKC Detroit. We'll actually touch on that later, of course, with the pick'em. Pacers pulled away early. They held off the Wizards for the 116-110 win. Chris Paul did his thing, 21-10. Suns beat the Spurs, 108-104. Curry and Wiggins led the Warriors to a blowout victory over the Magic, and Paul George scored 21 as the Clippers took care of the shorthanded Blazers, 102-90. Any of those games you wanted to touch on? Well, the Thunder... Jumping back from a 73-point loss. That's pretty good. They tweeted after their 73-point loss a photo of a couple of their guys with the caption, regroup and back at it Monday. Everybody yep. laughed at them. Regroup and back at it Monday. Ha-ha. <laughs> and they came back and won on Monday. Yeah. They yeah. followed through on the twit. Good for yeah. them. And they uh, were down in this They were game. down 18 points in this yeah. game as well. So what does that say about the Pistons? I mean... <laughs> well, according to you, they should be investigated for uh, tanking and uh, Silver uh, should step in and strip well, everyone in the front office of their role. Come on. That yeah, no, that was a uh, that was a very impressive bounce back there from the Thunder. Now they obviously had Giddy and uh, Gilgis Alexander back as well, which helped. But the Pistons, I mean, come on, losing, having an eighteen point game and then a lead and then losing by did they lose what double digits was it in the end? I know it was out there to double digits. I'm not sure what the yeah. final was, but uh, but what about the Memphis Grizzlies? Also, let's give them some love. Five consecutive games yeah. now where they have not trailed at all. That is unbelievable. So now the Heat, obviously, uh, they're down a few players. Jimmy Butler was back there last night. He played and left, I think. Yeah, uh, he picked up another injury. But even still, for the Grizzlies to be doing all this uh, still without Jar Morant is, uh, is is quite an incredible achievement by them. So their defense is unbelievable right now. <laughs> the, for, over those last five games, their defensive rating is 90 Unbelievable stuff. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, some people are saying they should trade John Morant. Are you one yeah. of them? <laughs> yeah, trade him. Trade him to the Pistons. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, trade yeah, yeah. Pistons. Uh, TK, any of those games that I threw out at the end that you wanted to uh, touch on quickly? Steph Curry made seven threes, so now he is 15 threes away from passing Ray Allen, or for tying Ray Allen for yeah. most all time. 16 away from passing him for most in the regular season. He's not ruling it out for the next game. They play against the Blazers, which is a perfect uh, oh. perfect opponent to try and go for a 16-3 game. As he mentioned, uh, he knows that what that would do for Clay Thompson's current record for most threes in a game. So, yeah, seven threes last night, but it's really just more exciting to see what Steph Curry does in his next game because it kind of feels like he's going to at least try to go for the all-time <laughs> three-point record. Oh, that, yeah. Sign me up. I'll yeah. watch. Oh, is it in man. is it in Portland or uh, no, Oakland? It's in uh, Golden State. Uh, it's yeah. in Golden State. Oh, okay, yeah. So right. it's at home. Yeah. Uh, like Trey said, he needs 16 to super- surpass Ray Allen <laughs> for regular season three pointers made. If it doesn't happen, then which I mean that would be a record 16 threes. Then they're on a five game road trip, so it'd be ah. happening probably on the road lately. Uh, Philadelphia, Indiana. New York, uh, Madison Square Garden there, Boston and Toronto. He's got to, if he doesn't do it against the Blazers, he's got to do it in the Garden, doesn't he, really? I mean, that's the next biggest I mean, yeah, but he'd have to miss a lot of threes on purpose to get to game four. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So it's got to be the Blazers. I would would also accept against the Philadelphia 76ers with his brother there in attendance as well. 
maybe you can rest against the Pacers on that Monday if you're not there. <laughs> do it in the garden. You're right, yeah. lady. Just basically anything except for the Pacers. Yeah. Do you think he'll a, a nice Do you think he'll legit night. give it a go on Wednesday night? At yeah. Home? I think so. Why not? Wow. That'd be a yeah, great way to do it. He's saying, he said after the game, I know yeah. exactly where I'm at. He's definitely aware of what the hell's happening. This is one that he knows. Yeah, the best shooter in the world, he's going for it, man. That right. play at the end of the first quarter was so amazing, where he's in his backcourt and Gary Harris poked it from him and scored seven seconds left in the quarter, and then he just goes up, shoots a half-court shot, and buries it in Gary Harris's eye. That was amazing. He's I swear to so God, good. he's done this, like, it feels like three straight games where he's hit, like, a half-court yeah. shot to... To Definitely end a quarter or end a half. I mean, at least it's two. Uh, maybe I'm I'm stretching it to three, but it feels like every game, right, Lee? There's a Steph Curry highlight where he hits something at the end of a quarter or a half from 45 feet, 40 feet. Yep. And that's why guys should try to do it rather than save their field goal percentage because it's way better when guys knock them in. You know? <laughs> but everyone tries. Everyone just releases it just after the buzzer. I think Worldwide calls it the uh, field goal percentage savings club. Worldwide. Worldwide. Go for That's it. His first Fire name. Away. <laughs> I know. His name is World or Worldwide. You know who I'm talking names, about. He always changes his name after someone has a big night. I'm not sure if he's changed it from anyone from last night, like to Wombead or someone. You know, but. Uh, that's why I just got to go with Worldwide. Okay. Oh, okay. He, had a, he had a funny video up the other day after the Knicks lost to the Nuggets. I don't know if yes. you guys saw it, but uh, one on. of those ones, a minute long, and you're watching it, and he doesn't say anything. He barely Oh, moves. I watched that. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you keep waiting. It's a great video because you're like, you're waiting, waiting. Is it, and then you're like, have I done something wrong? Is it frozen or whatever? And then you just realize that's, that yes. says so much without saying anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, first name world, last name Wob, middle name White. Last night about about a guy who's uh, I'm not sure whose name if his first name is George or Paul, Paul George, George Paul. Yeah. Anyway, fifty um, percent in October from the floor, forty one percent in November, now down to twenty nine percent in December from an MVP candidate. Does it every year? Mm. That's shocking. Every year, shocking that it happened. Yeah, again. Because he was an MVP candidate to start, and now he's, uh, he's fallen off. Although, yeah, they squeaked one out there uh, against the Blazers because they always squeak one out. But, uh, yeah, the Blazers falling off. We'll get to them, won't we? Well, hold on. The oh. Thunder. The Thunder. I know we laugh about the Thunder. and Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, they've got more wins than the Pistons. But the guy who turned around that game was Kenrich Williams. I, I thought he was just like the scrappy guy off the bench. Now, if they trade him. That's a reason to shut that team down. Shut it down. <laughs> shut it down because he's he is a guy who's like, he's a winner. He just he he pl- comes in and just turns the game around. And to me, yeah, Shea was back. Uh, obviously, Giddy was back. They look good. Um, and and how can they be shut down if they have more wins than the Detroit Pistons? It's because of how they handle their players. Mm-hmm. And to me, last year they weren't reprimanded for the Horford and the, and the Shea sitting down. I'm looking forward to January and February if they trade Kenrich Williams to a team that needs a, a guy that, you know, has a little spark plug. And they're just, they're, they're, well, what are they doing? I, it's going to happen. Anyways, it's going to happen. It'll happen. Between the uh, six-point possession and all this Kenrich Williams talk, this might be John w- Schumann's favorite episode of the oh, season. Oh, it is. He loves Kenrich Williams. Oh, yeah. His crazy does. haircut. Uh, all right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we will talk some non-Damian Lillard trades for the Blazers. Lee, what do you got? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm almost afraid to ask, JD, but how is the classic factory coming along? <laughs> it's coming along. We're, we're, we're making progress. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say that everything doesn't work when I first <laughs> plug it it's in. It's actually really shocking to me. You think this stuff at this point, 2021, you know, you plug in this stuff oh and, it just, and it just goes. Yeah. No. Now. Now, when you reach sort of like we're we're leveling up, so we're in Ooh. sort of the pro land, uh, sort of we're okay. the like the prosumer land, right? So it's like there's very little instructions that come with this stuff, and then you got to call the you got to call and you get attitude, man. Like oh god, <laughs> these gearheads, man, they're like. Well, of course it doesn't. That's a 56K light. Of course it doesn't. You can't warm that up. You need a gel, man. Like, I, don't know, man. I just, I just want to make a podcast, bro. <laughs> All right. Progress, though. I, it's, I like we're getting there. Steps. We're getting okay. there. The short baby, answer is we're getting there. All right. Baby steps, guys. To the classic factory coming together. Uh, okay. So let's get into some Blazers trade talk. I, I can't tell if people... Like this stuff or hate it, but who cares? We're doing it. Um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, on yesterday's show, at least, about the direction the Blazers should go. Should it be like blow it up, and that means trade Damian Lillard because he would want out of there, or is it like try and keep Lillard happy and shake it up by moving some of these other potential guys on their roster, a McCollum, a Nurkic, a Covington? So that's what we're gonna do here. I tweeted it out yesterday. I said, "Hey NBA sickos, let's see your best non-Damian Lillard trades." for the Trailblazers. And I said, you know, those three guys make the most sense. What you got? People love trades. Holy crap, Lily. A lot of responses. A lot of, like, decent ones. A lot of convoluted ones, I will say. Where you get into, like, the uh, three-team deals, the four-team deals. It's a little... It's a little much to try and talk about on a podcast at times, but I did find some that I thought are like, okay, let's throw that at the guys. Let's throw it at the stream team and everybody listening and see what they think. So we'll go through them sort of player by player here. We're starting with CJ McCollum 
And I'm just going to put aside the Sixers move, which I think is the most obvious. I think a lot of us agree is probably the most obvious in terms of trying to get Ben Simmons. Maybe it includes McCollum and then other pieces and picks to make it happen, but we've talked enough about that. So some other ideas. To set up McCollum, I want everybody to know, 30-year-old shooting guard. He's not as young as you sort of think. I always think of McCollum as like a 25, 26-year-old, but he's not. He's in his 30s. He probably would have made his first All-Star game last year if he didn't get hurt. He was definitely Mm -hmm. in the running, but he's never made that. This year, shade under 21 points per game, 42% shooting from the floor. Those are those are really bad numbers for C.J. McCollum since he's become a starter. I think a lot of it has to do with all of this trade talk and his name being included in a lot of these deals. I know he's talked to uh, to, um, to uh, Jason Quick about it on The Athletic. He's also having a baby. I think some off-court distractions are in play here. But he looks a little disinterested, and he doesn't look like the C.J. McCollum from years prior. He makes nearly $31 million for this year, and that only goes up. For the final two years. 33 next year. 36 after that. Tass, it does not become easy to trade a CJ McCollum. Because he makes a lot of money. So, of course, salary has to be coming back. But, I want to get your take on this one, Tass. There was two similar trades thrown at me. With McCollum going to the Cavaliers. Yes, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, the first one was from Taylor. It was McCollum and, let's say, Nasir Little. To the Cavs for Kevin Love and Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is the key piece in both of these. And the other one I saw or heard from Sam Vecini and Danny LaRue was McCollum, and nobody else, really just McCollum, to the Cavs for Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton, and Chetty Osman. I just want to ask you, McCollum to the Cavaliers with something, a big contract, of course, going back to make it happen, make any sense at all to you, Tass, from either side, or no thanks, I've got gum. I am absolutely a Cleveland Cavaliers head. This is what I do in my spare time. I follow the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball club. I do not think they would make such a move. I just understand that he would be an upgrade. Mm -hmm. He is better than what he is this year. He was kind of on his way to being an all-star before getting hurt last year, shooting 11 threes a game, looking phenomenal, 26 points per game. That was his best year. Uh, I am. Um, I just. I just don't think he's on the timeline of the Cleveland Cavaliers, as you said, 30s. True. It's not his. It's not his. It's not his place there in Cleveland. They have such a good thing going on right now. Uh, Kobe Altman has made some incredible moves to sneak in and grab Jared Allen uh, in the four-way James Harden deal, and then to draft Evan Mobley and Ricky Rubio. Yeah, he's not long for for Cleveland. Most likely, he's in his 30s too. But. An upgrade there, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, I would I would rather stay young. And you you described or said there, you snuck in there, that Jason Quick on The Athletic has talked to C.J. McCollum recently. The start of that article this morning, it's, 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 not, usual, it's not a usual start to the article, uh, to, uh, to an article. I was reading Jason Quick's article about C.J. McCollum. So this, I want to read it. I want to read Jason Quick's start here. This is how it starts. I was driving home Monday after the Trailblazers' latest loss, deep in thought about a 10-minute conversation I just had with C.J. McCollum in the back hallway of the Moda Center when my phone pinged. It was McCollum. As I looked down at this text message, I was taken aback, enough so that I pulled over and read it again. This is the quote from McCollum. Oregon is my home. Always will be. I got married here. My son will be born here. We bought 318 acres here. That's a brag. And started planting our vineyard here. This city and organization have been very good to me and my family. We're forever grateful. 
And Jason Quick writes, as my car idled on the side of the road, my mind raced. Did I miss something? Did McCollum get traded? I did a quick search. <laughs> Nothing. Damn, I texted back. You made it sound like a goodbye. It's not a goodbye, he replied. I'm still here, my friend. McCollum wants to be there forever. He ain't going anywhere. It's like him saying, I like it here. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> uh, but they have to make a move, obviously, as, as we've talked about forever and ever and ever. And he could be in on that. But I don't see the Cavs thing. I'm out. I'm out okay. on the Cavs thing. Okay. Trey, what do you think of a McCollum to a Cavaliers type of deal, which, again, has to include basically a Love or a Rubio type contract. And then Colin Sexton, I guess, being the key piece going back to the Blazers. I don't mind it from the Cavs' perspective. C.J. McCollum is an Ohio guy. Maybe a homecoming does him well. There would be a spot for him, I think, as the two guard. It would be not dissimilar to playing alongside Damian Lillard, playing alongside Darius Garland in Cleveland, and they would be turning Rubio, an expiring contract, and the potential and the restricted free agency of Colin Sexton, a player that doesn't seem to be in their plans, turning him into a guy in McCollum who's got a couple more years on his contract. I think that's pretty good for the Cavs, to be quite honest, and I think it definitely makes them better, especially considering uh, they're not getting anything from Sexton for the rest of this year. Lee, final thoughts on this one? I actually don't mind it as well. Now, it may only get the Cavs a few more wins and sort of get them into the playoffs, but he's a steady veteran, and apart from last season, he's pretty reliable and durable, CJ McCollum, and so he can give them that veteran presence of, like, another guy who can score. Sexton, I think they probably are moving on from him, and, yeah, Rubio's not really a part of their future either, so if you can get CJ, and again, he's only 30, it can be looked at as, like, well, that's old, or you can say, well, he's still got a good two or three years left to sort of help this team continue its ascension, so... I don't mind it. I, I think there's something there. The Cavs, I think clearly Garland, uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is their sort of core. But if you can get a good veteran who you know can get you a bucket on the side there, that's not a bad little return for a, a team that's kind of moving on from those other pieces anyway. Okay. The other one I had from Brad was McCollum to the Timberwolves for Malik Beasley and Torian Prince. I don't think that's going to wow anyone here uh, on, on the call. But uh, yeah, what do you think of that move let's say for the blazers is that is that a, is that enough i mean it works obviously in the train machine tray beasley and prince getting some wing help there for mccollum and, and moving off of him i think that would if, the, if something like that were to go down there would be other trades to be had of course yeah you'd have to do some yeah. other moves as well because that's not enough when ben simmons is potentially on the table i would rather have the rubio sexton love package as well so i don't know two bench guys for your your second leading scorer that doesn't make sense yeah. to me yeah, I mean, it becomes difficult with this just path that the Blazers might try and take here, Lee. This idea of, like, you'd be trading these guys, McCollum, Nurkic, Covington, for, in theory, good players now because you'd want to be appeasing Damian Lillard and saying, hey, we're, we're still good, we can be good, we're going to be a playoff team, we're going to go even further than we've gone. That's not obviously easy to do. It's much. It sort of becomes easier to trade guys for like future pieces, for flyers on young guys, for picks and stuff like that. But then if you do that, Lillard's going to be like, "What WTF, man? Why are we doing that?" Mm. And then and then suddenly you could see yourself in the summer him going, "Well, I want out of here if we're if that's the the plan." So it becomes. I think that's the dance here that's difficult for. Joe Cronin or whoever's yeah. making the decisions. There <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make sense to trade those guys if unless you're going to get some other draft capital in return and then say, okay, we've got to make this trade work financially, but we're doing it mainly so that we can start the rebuild process. And if you're doing that, then clearly you need to also move on from Lillard. I mean, right, there's no right. point in putting him in a rebuild situation right now. But yeah, on the surface, 
two bench kind of journeyman for a solid starter does just doesn't that doesn't improve Portland at all. So I don't see why they would do that. But if the Wolves say, yeah, we really want that guy as a scorer, we'll give you these two guys, and then we'll also give you a couple of draft picks, then at least the Blazers are like, well, that's something. that We're building towards something, even if it's not this season. All right, let's move to Nurkic. He's averaging 13 and 10 this year in about 25 minutes per game, shooting 59% <coughs> from the floor. He's in the final year of his deal, $12 million he makes. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. He's represented by Clutch Sports. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. All right. Very important. Now, Rich Paul wants to get these guys paid. Um, so probably any deal, if Nurkic is going out, the Blazers are going to need some front court reinforcements coming back. Uh, and they also are going to probably try and make their payroll cheaper. So there were a couple suggestions. The first one was from Manu. Not Ginobili. Another Manu. Mm. Nurkic, Covington got thrown in this one. And then probably a young player. Let's say Nasir Little though I know the Blazers are high on him, to the Pacers for Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. So Nurk, Covington, and again, probably a young player. Let's say Nasir Little for now. To the Pacers task for Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. Sabonis. Get another Sabonis in Portland. (laughs) Is this a move they should be looking uh, to explore? I don't think so, um, because, uh, yeah, the Blazers would get better. The Blazers would do it. Uh, I'm sorry, the okay. Blazers, yes, of course. They're trading for a star, they're trading up, but the Pacers would just be another lateral move. That's just uh, five good guys becomes, I don't know, five and a half good guys, Like, and you're kind of trading down. You're trading at Sabonis's peak for Nurkic's non-peak. Mm. They're not getting better, so I, I don't think so. I, I think along with McCollum, along with even Nurkic, I know he's not playing his best. I, I think we're kind of undervaluing the Blazers. I know I am. I know, like, you know, McCollum would would go make the Cavs a lot better at the shooting guard position, especially on a really good defensive team when he's struggled uh, at, on the defensive end. And I think we kind of undervalue Nurkic and stuff, but uh, nah, I think that's, 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 that doesn't make the Pacers better. Yeah, all, it's a really. great, that's a great trade for the Blazers. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Indiana, you guys are seem to be agreeing. Lily, anything to add? Oh, it's a bonus. Yeah, I would take him over Nurkic for sure. But uh, I just don't see why the Pacers would do that mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. give up to give up uh, Sabonis to get Nurkic in return. They would want some sort of uh, draft assets, I think, and yeah. sig- signaling that they are then moving in that direction. And probably then that is a bit of a, a domino effect on trading Turner and when becomes available Brogdon as well. Okay. This one, Nurkic to the Hornets. That's been a popular one. They could use a big guy to try and uh, guard Joel Embiid last night to to put up a a better effort, at least put a hand up. So why don't we just do a Nurk for Plum Dog again? That's happened before. (laughs) Sam Vecini, Nurkic to the Hornets for Plumley, and then one of their young front court guys. Okay, so like a Jalen McDaniels, like a Nick Richards, like a Kai Jones. So that, that would be the deal to get Nurkic to Charlotte and then the Blazers in return getting like a, a prospect type guy and then a and then a plum dog who <laughs> has played there before and uh, <laughs> and uh, well he's a plum dog uh, do you, you might have an opinion on him but what do you think Trey no way something like this happens well I love the idea of finally uniting a Plumley and a Zeller there for the Trailblazers <laughs> that would be just incredible True. but to me. Nurkic going to the Hornets makes sense, but them trading several big guys does not make sense. Like you said, they need help inside. Nurkic would help. I'm not the biggest Nurkic fan, but he's certainly an improvement Mm -hmm. over Nick Richards, who they've been playing. But if you're trading 
two of your three centers to bring back one center, you're still one center down. And that's clearly been the biggest weakness for the Hornets. So I would rather trade one of their random backcourt guys, like maybe Book Knight. He just hasn't had a chance yep. to really get on the court, and it doesn't seem like he's necessarily going to with the squad they've got put together right now. But I do like the idea of Nurkic on the Hornets. Tess, can you make, can you come up with something? You know, would the Hornets explore this, like Trey's saying? One of their young guys... And then whatever else to make the the contracts work to get Nurkic in there. And it could be a rental. This is the weird thing with Nurkic. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know if you'd be agreeing to some sort of deal in the future. Again, you're going to be negotiating with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. So maybe that concerns teams. And like, they're like, I don't want to be the one paying Nurkic, you know, <laughs> 15 million a year. No, thank you. Uh, but what do you think? Nurkic is a Clutch Sports guy. I didn't know that. It didn't, mm-hmm. didn't seem like a fit uh, to me. Nurkic and Clutch, that's a surprise. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Hornets are long for a big guy. And, yeah, they've been drafting athletic wing after athletic wing after athletic wing. It seems like there's a match to happen there. And the Hornets, I mean, you go back a couple of years, they thought they had Mark Gasol at the deadline before the Raptors got him. They are looking for an experienced big and uh, I'm not just thinking of white centers that would fit, uh, but Nurkic would fit. Yeah, they wanted Gasol. Uh, now, yeah, Nurkic would be uh, yeah, a nice, a nice player for them. And, and again, I, I know um, Nurkic has not you know lived up to uh, the hype there in Portland uh, at all. But yeah, a little rental, give it a shot. I mean, the Hornets have they're just they're overflowing with all these these really athletic wings. So I could see something working there. Sure. Yeah, Lee, I just think if the Blazers move off Nurkic, Blazers fans, maybe everybody, would need to lower their expectations of what would be coming back in return. Because you sort of think of Nurkic as a decent player. When he when he is playing at his best, mm-hmm. the Blazers look like a really, really good team over the last couple of years. And then he has these weird funks where he's just like, can't stay on the court because of foul trouble, or you know, he's always like sort of injury prone a little bit too. And then he's like a big dip, but... He's he, like nobody's going to be trading for a guy that is a pending unrestricted free agent here, uh, like a ton. I don't think so. I think they would be hoping. It's almost like, uh, you know, the Raptors at the uh, trading Kyle Lowry because he's going to be walking. So they're like, well, let's get precious for him. You know, let's get a young sort of guy that we'll take a flyer on and maybe is turned into a building block. And I think that's what the Blazers would be hoping for in a return. And maybe it is one of these young Hornets players. Well, I think the Hornets should give up one of those young players for the right piece coming back. And that again comes down to someone who you know is going to be there for way longer than Nurkic. Nurkic is only 27, by the way. It feels like he's older than that. I mean, so if you look at his age, you think that guy could have a long, still prosperous career, but he has had some big injuries too throughout his career. So you wonder about his durability in that sense. But the Hornets can't afford to try to hoard these these young guys right now. They desperately need some interior help. So they should be prepared to at least give up one of them. Uh, exactly who that is. I think Book Knight's probably the one who's going to get the most interest from other teams. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you can get rid of Plumley, you may as well. Anyone will take him. But uh, they need to... Well, they, 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 they've got, you know, they've got tradable assets there, Charlotte. So they have to get, give up something... Just not sure Nurkic, given his uh, injury history and his contract status, they would be prepared to do it for that short-term window here. All right. Our final guy here from these Blazers we're trying to move. Sir Robert Covington, 31 years old. He makes $13 million, also a pending unrestricted free agent. He's a talented help defender. I think we would agree. Um, Career 40% three-point shooter, so he can knock down the three ball. He was traded a year ago to Portland for Trevor Ariza 
a 2020 first round pick and a 2021 protected first round pick. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be the return that the Blazers would be getting uh, in some sort of potential deal. But here's a popular one, Trey. You want him on the Bulls? Because Dave W. says Covington to the Bulls (laughs) for Kobe White and then maybe like a Tony Brown Jr. and a draft pick, like some sort of compensation. I don't mind it. Robert Covington, an Illinois boy, doing a lot less, I imagine, for uh, for the Bulls than he would be yeah. for the Blazers. And Covington, like you said, Skeets, is a great help defender, not a great on-ball defender, which is good because the Bulls have some solid on-ball defenders now with Lonzo and Caruso. I've been eyeing Covington. I've been eyeing Nurkic. I've even been uh, eyeing Cody Zeller off the bench <laughs> for the Bulls because they could use another backup big and another mm-hmm. just a little bit more size there. And as we've seen through the beginning of the season, the Bulls are at least a good team. The league is maybe a little unsettled right now, so... I don't mind throwing a young player like Kobe White into a trade to really try and go for a bit of an extended playoff run here. Tass, what do you think? Does that make some sense? Is that enough for the Blazers? Would they be happy with that, especially him coming up to a free agency? If you moved Covington for Kobe White and Tony Brown Jr. And again, like some sort of pick compensation? Yeah, I don't think they could even get that much uh, for Robert Covington and the way he's playing right now. He's been benched in Portland, which is uh, kind of bonkers for the 30th best defensive team in the league. They're dead last. They've put Robert Covington on the bench. Uh, I'm, I don't think they get a, a solid young guy in Kobe White uh, and another guy. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but yeah, the Bulls would love him for sure. Um, the Bulls would be very excited for him. But yeah, it's what the Blazers are looking to do. Uh, is it time to implode and just go real young and uh, mm-hmm. try and try and get as much value and much return as possible for this roster that has peaked at one Western Conference final? Is it time? Is it the best move to get as much value as possible for even Damian Lillard? I think that's a, you know it's a question John Hollinger asked on the Athletic. It's a reasonable question. What do you do? What do you do with this uh, this roster? So yeah, take a chance on Kobe White, who the Bulls were really high on, and now he's become you know, kind of an afterthought in that rotation. Again, that's like just goes back to the whole thing. Like, if you're going to trade these three guys that we're talking about here, the Covington, Nurk, and McCollum, for just trade assets, I mean, excuse me, like draft picks and young prospects, <laughs> then you're literally just like for sure going to be might trading as well Damian trade Lillard. Lillard. Exactly. Like you are. Like uh, otherwise you have to like try and get some talent back and it's not easy as i think we're proving here with some of these uh potential trade deals lee have any thoughts on the bulls acquiring covington though and maybe a kobe white being the key piece coming back yeah i i think the bulls would do that a veteran good defender he's got that 7-2 wingspan robert coming remember he was kind of the uh the small ball guy in houston there. i think he was kind of playing center for a while because when they went totally small there with daryl Morey, yep. him and him at PJ. I think he is a you know a good player who can hit that three at his best and he's a, a reliable defender and I think Kobe White, you know, you, you would give up that piece to get that veteran uh, on your team because the Bulls are certainly closer to win now mode than uh, perhaps they thought they were going to be coming into the season um, so it's worth it but Man, the fact that Neil O'Shea gave up two first-round picks for Robert Covington, he should have been fired for that alone, really. I mean, mm. uh, that's you know, that's that's a sort of move that the general manager's made that's just is, is hampering the franchise, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I like him on the Bulls. I think that's good. But if you're the Blazers, yeah, for a guy who's not part of their rotation now anyway, sure, why not take another young guy? I had some funny ones that people suggested as well that I wanted to share with you guys. I love this one. This was from uh, Disney Alex Max on Twitter. Why don't the Pacers 
and the Blazers just basically swap all their guys. And it works <laughs> in the trade machine, okay? Sabonis, Miles Turner, and Karis LeVert going to Portland for McCollum, Covington, and Nurkic. There you go, Tass. Just uh, R3 for your three. There we go. No problem. The numbers work. I'm peering into this YouTube screenshot. The numbers, that's Sabonis, Miles Turner, and Carol Stavert. Very close in salaries. You yeah. You think that 198, 18, and 17.5. Karis Levert. I uh, take our guys who are uh, you know underperforming a little bit. Karis Levert specifically for your guys who are underperforming with the Blazers. Um, and that's the thing. As I mentioned, like McCollum, McCovington, and Nurkic. It's the beauty is in the eye of the beholder because McCollum, yeah, underperforming, but he's a virtual all-star player. Nurkic. It potted over 30 last night. You know, you see one of those games against you, you think this guy, this guy can be a really good big, uh, but he, will he do that all the time? Um, and who was that other player? Oh, Covington. Same thing. Yeah, he, oh, he could play the five, just like Lee said. Oh, modern day wing, he could do it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's they, the Blazers, they're all underperforming. But uh, yeah, trade them. They'll probably be better in a different environment. Why not? And then I love this one, Lee Lee. This is a four-team deal, oh. but it's... Just one player moving from each team. This one from <laughs> Biased Cavs fan. I'll show it to you here as well. Fun breakdown. McCollum yeah. to the Dallas Mavericks. Porzingis to the Kings. De'Aaron Fox to the Sixers. And Ben Simmons to the Blazers. What do you think, Lee? I, I, I wrote back to him. I said, if you could get Kyrie Irving involved somehow, mm. this would be the, mm. you know, this would be oh, chef's kiss hanging in the yeah. loop. But uh, yeah, what do you think of this four team? So I like it for the Sixers. Yes. Uh, I like it for the Mavericks. Okay. You must Kings. like it for the Blazers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger <laughs> on this. this is, Call it in. Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm just trying to sort of, you know, put it all together quickly in my head here. But I'm saying yeah, we would, I mean, imagine the NBA on Twitter that day. That would be awesome. Everyone just with their, uh, with their fire take. So I would love to see the chaos of this trade happen. And if it can work, the GM should just go, who gives a shit? Why not? Let's just try it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah that's how you keep a job in the NBA. Who gives a shit? Let's just do it. I can't Honestly, believe Porzingis is like the biggest jump in wins here. Plus eight yeah. wins if he goes to yeah. the Kings. Porzingis. Yeah, yeah this is very weird. Um, yeah, so there it is. Yeah, Simmons to the Blazers, McCollum to the Mavericks, Porzingis to the Kings, and De'Aaron Fox to the 76ers. Biased Cavs fans, not not far <laughs> off. You know, yeah. his his Twitter handle's biased Cavs fan, but he threw <laughs> together a pretty even trade. Yeah. It's oh, not bad. Man. I mean, the the team that Lee didn't, you know, wasn't sold on was the Kings there because they're getting Porzingis in exchange for De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox underperforming Porzingis right now. He's hot. Uh, why not? <laughs> well, well, he's injured. He's, 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 injured. Right he's yeah. injured again. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. He had a great run. A great run before that, one of maybe the best run of his career, but he's injured again. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, we've got a fan out there who's been emailing us, you know, taking his victory lap. Where's all the talk about Porzingis now? Just want to say, where's the emails now that he's injured again? That's all. I mean, (laughs) that's the Porzingis can be a great player, and we've seen flashes of it, but the two knocks on him are consistency and injury. So, you know, if you're going to come at us or me, 
when he's playing well. <laughs> fine, uh, yeah. fine, fine. But you can't also then just not email when he's injured again. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's talking like email, a true man. Knicks fan who has gone through it with Chris Tapps, Porzingis. <laughs> all right, so let's hear your trades for uh, any of these Blazers. Uh, you can leave them in the stream team. You can leave them below this video. Uh, you can tweet them in at no Inc. It's not easy, I think, is the point here with a lot of these guys to, again, get talent back that would in theory get the Blazers back into the mix in the Western Conference to keep Lillard happy and to go from there. It's just it's just not. It's becomes easier just to be like, okay, everything must go, including Damian Lillard, and really, really lean into a a long term rebuild. And that might be what they have to do. I, I you know, I know Trey, you sort of think that is the only really way at this point, because you can't convince yourself otherwise that a shakeup trade will really do all that much. Yeah, that's the question. And I guess the question for the Blazers is, do you think that trading for Ben Simmons is a shakeup trade or is that a serious improvement trade? Because, you know, Ben Simmons has been a good player during the regular season throughout his career. He makes his teams better. He plays defense. He gets easy shots uh, for his teammates. In the playoffs, you got to deal with him not taking shots. That's yeah. what's going to happen. So, I don't know. I would rather try... That sort of middle path where, like, Simmons, bringing in Simmons from a column, you at least try it one more time with Damian Lillard before, you know, he ends up wanting to go somewhere else. Like, it happened for Kevin Garnett, right? They tried everything around Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. Yeah. Eventually, the writing was on the wall, and they had to start over. Yep. I, I think, uh, again, if I'm still a bet man, I think that's exactly what they end up doing. A McCollum move to, like, try and salvage their season to try and keep Lillard happy. And then go from there. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced that uh, whatever that move is, Ben Simmons, somebody from the Pelicans, somebody from the Wizards, you know, whatever, maybe a potential Cavs trade. I just don't think it's going to like catapult them up here. I, I really don't. They're in such a funk, but maybe they do. And maybe it will work. The shakeup trade happens or, or works, I should say, every once in a while, Tass. Um, but I think it's few and far between, for being honest. Yeah. What is what is the Blazers front office thinking? Yeah, and and will uh, the man there, Cronin, Joe Cronin, who's worked up his way through the uh, Blazers hierarchy. I mean, he's been there forever. He's a salary cap expert. Now he's got the reins. Does he have the reins to blow it up, or does he have the reins to make one single trade? Which, <laughs> yeah, that would make sense logically. Keep Dame happy, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you have to. Maybe you just have to go for it. Um, and just one one quick note before we move on, uh, because you said you're a bet manskeet. Speaking of betting, uh, a little bit later we'll get to our pick and payoff. I didn't pick the Nets Mavericks game because Kristaps Porzingis was listed as questionable, and I thought everyone's taking the Nets, but he's been upgraded to oh. probable. So we're getting an email, Lee. Kristaps Porzingis <laughs> could be back on the floor tonight. It sure looks like. So maybe he's not injured at all. It's a knee injury, so of course everyone worried seeing him in a very sharp suit with no tie on the sideline, but he might be back playing basketball tonight. We will see. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we got Lee's tweet of the night and pick em results and our new pick for tonight. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yes, I am going off the board for this one and going back to the uh, homeland of my birth, in fact, because this comes in 
What are you talking about right now? Uh, it's a, uh, I'm going bird. off the board and going to the homeland. <laughs> yes, I'm going off the board. No one asked. Yeah. Well, Skeetsy, usually you set me up. You usually say, Lily, what you got? I was waiting for yeah. it. I didn't have it anyway. Yeah, uh, I'm going to the uh, KFC Big Bash League for this outstanding feat of athleticism by Jake Fraser McGuirk. Cannot wait. <laughs> oh, I think he might have got enough. Yes, that is from the uh, Big Bash League in Australia, the 2020 uh, competition. Now, check it out. I've got some replays here of this cast. Just look at the athleticism on this because, remember, no gloves by the fieldsman in cricket. Yeah. Look at this. Watch what he does here to catch this one. It gets up. Boom. Nice. That is incredible. Uh, here it is again. Look at that. That's a lot of a lot of fans in attendance for this. Yeah, one. nah, I mean, nah. I'm not sure if that's coronavirus related or <laughs> All not. Eight but, people uh, saw that catch. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, hey, you know what? Tweet of the week, tweet of the night. You can go wherever you want. I thought, great. I'll show you some cricket highlights. Great stuff. All right. What's his name? James McSquirt. What did you call him? <laughs> Jamie McQuirt. You're, you're, what's going on there? You're, what's his name? Bit, I'm asking. His you. name is Jake Fraser McGurk. But, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you seem a little bit—I uh, don't know—bit saucy today, Skeeter. You're always yeah, talking, uh, you know, yeah, like something uh, in the air. Fantastic uh, yeah. <laughs> NBA podcast audio. Watching a cricket highlight. I love it. What a catch! What a catch! Incredible yeah. stuff! Incredible, Incredible stuff! It reminds me—I I played uh, one year of mush ball. It's softball with no gloves. That's what that re- catch reminds me of. Nice. A lot of broken fingers. A lot of broken fingers in mush ball. A lot of broken fingers in cricket, Lee. People break Yes, fingers. yes. In fact, uh, uh, you can't really see it, but uh, I got a, I got a couple of broken fingers from cricket uh, because yeah, the ball's hard, especially uh, when it gets whacked like that. I mean, you practice those sorts of things, so you learn how to sort of catch on that. But still, you know, you just catch it at the wrong angle or whatever, and it can uh, yeah, it can do some damage. The 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 catcher is called a wicket keeper in cricket. Now, his fingers at the end of his career are like uh, Alvin Gentry, Sean Marion. I think Wayne it's like Holland. catches in, yeah, yeah, I think like in baseball, aren't they? You know, like Jorge Posada, for example. I, I think all his, or one, one side of his uh, hand was... I think they, uh, have, they have gloves. For example. Yeah, but, they, uh, but he only actually catches with one hand, doesn't he, really? Yeah. 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 I but mean, in, they probably, it in, probably hurts. In cricket, you've got the two hands there. So, yeah, their fingers mm. are all a bit, a bit wonky at the end of their careers. Hey, well, hey, you learn to don't... cradle it as a kid, right? You're a cricket, cricket cradler, right? You, you, well, you, I you mean, caress supposed... that thing. You collect yeah. it. Yeah, you don't want because the ball's going so fast. You don't just want to like go forward. You want to like catch it like that. Take the take the speed off it as you catch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I got a, I got a question for you, Lee. We yeah. got no buffs. That's a Survivor podcast. Yeah. We got no breaks. That's an F one podcast. Where, where's the cricket podcast? You want a cricket podcast? No. I don't, but people might. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Hey, I uh, I had Mark War on this year, uh, Hall of Famer Mark <laughs> yeah. War. You did, you did. That I was it was good. Yeah. You want to talk catches? You can check out Mark War's uh, highlight reel. His mixtape of catches. Hey, greatest save it for catcher. next tweet of the week when you're going off the board <laughs> <laughs> to the homeland of your greatest birth. greatest slips catcher of all time, uh, Mark War. So uh, there you okay. go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, well, yeah. Why not? Yeah, we've got a comment saying cricket podcast. <laughs> yes, if you're listening, and 
we're just saying, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. this. Lee saying Jorge Parada, but is ASMR. Say it, give it one more time. Jorge Pasada. Yeah. Now I can go to sleep. Yeah, but funnily enough, Jorge Posada used to bat without gloves, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Because uh, I know most most batters wear gloves, don't they? These That's days, true. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, Jorge. Yeah, I remember he was uh, he was great, and no gloves, but he was the catcher. Interesting. You definitely talked to him in uh, a piece down at the Sky Dome I once. I assume. Did. Yeah. I did. Yes. Part of that big piece I did with uh, on uh, Joe Girardi. I spoke with Gita also and, a catcher. Uh, <laughs> How are his right. fingers? <laughs> yeah, didn't actually notice his fingers, but uh, he's the Phillies bench boss these days, isn't he, uh, Joe Girardi? <laughs> the Phillies bench boss. Uh, is there is there a single notable American cricket player. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Although, Sammy Sosa grew up playing cricket, apparently. Cricket was his first game because he grew up in... DR. Dominican was he Dominican? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, apparently, he was a good cricketer as a kid. But uh, Danny A... No, he never played that right. No, he played <laughs> baseball, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the uh, twenty I, the twenty twenty stuff is what I'm going to take you guys to one day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where you have a fun time. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I like this from Rich. He says, uh, "What would the name of the cricket podcast be?" No interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say that, Rich. You say that. that but there's no doubt in my words. mind, guys like Rich would be like. I've got to hate listen to this at least once or twice. You know, they have right. to. They have to. Just just in case they get intrigued by it and they're like, hmm, okay, there is something to this after all. Okay. Great tweet of the night. Love it. Uh, Jamie McDirt. Jamie Fraser McDirt. Picking results from last night. OKC was in Detroit. Pistons were favored by four and a half. This brought to you by BetMGM. Man, Pistons were looking good. Looking like they were taking care of business. No problem. We got this. And then OKC in the second half stormed back. Uh, got the victory. Straight up money line hit. And Trey Kirby. He calls it. This guy's perfect in the month of December. 4-0 here in our pick'em battle. Tasked down to 2-2. Two and two And uh, me and Lee bringing up the rear. 1-3, and three, Lily. Uh, no surprise for me, but shocking for you. Anyway, tonight's game, task. where are we going? There's only three games on tonight. Yeah, the TNT doubleheader is Nets Mavericks, Celtics Lakers. Usually. I'm definitely uh, looking at the big games, but don't say we don't pick the league pass games. I'm going to a small market team like the New York Knicks. I'm <laughs> playing the San Antonio Spurs. I thought that game would be a little bit more difficult to call. I thought we'd all generally take the Lakers uh, or the Nets considering Porzingis was out. So I went Knicks-Spurs, and I'm the only one uh, who thinks that the Knicks can bounce back against the mm. Spurs team. That was on a bit of a winning streak. Uh, until they lost uh, last night. They were on a four-gamer. Um, but they lost last night. And the Knicks, yes, uh, some uh, some questions as to what's going on with that rotation. Uh, RJ Barrett not looking great. Um, but, you know, they seem healthier, so I think they can bounce back. But why do you guys think the, the Spurs will take care of business? A team, let's be honest, we rarely, rarely, rarely talk about on this show who's got a who's got a hot spurs take right now well i'll tell you my reasoning for taking the spurs i have an app on my phone it's called flip a coin 
<laughs> I uh, fired it up this morning. I hit this little button on it, and the coin flipped, and I decided, well, the home team will, uh, if, home, if heads comes up, that's the home team. If tails comes up, that's the road team, and uh, heads came up, so the Spurs are going to cover. I did think that you were using uh, some method of either because... <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, because I uh, I put in my pick and you immediately put in yep. your pick. And yep. so a lot of people have been saying to you, hey, you've been losing a lot of pickums. Just yep. go with the opposite of your no, gut, that's, see, man. It drives me insane. No, I've done that. I've done that a hundred times. I'm like, oh, uh, I, I can't uh, pick one to save my life, so I'll go the opposite. And then I just get it wrong. That doesn't work. So now I'm leaving it completely up to chance. That's a great app to have. <laughs> it really is. Right. When yeah. we, because I linger, I like to linger doing a lot of things, and sometimes it's good just to have something just to shut my brain off and say, I'm going to make a decision using the old coin app. Yeah, flip a coin. It's my coin app. Is it called yeah. flip a coin? Oh, oh, okay. oh my god, there's ads all over it. They didn't pop up this morning. Anyway, I guess I got to buy the premium version of flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> I got a grub I can't that even flip the coin. <laughs> You oh, would there we go. There we go. There we go. Why don't you just there flip a coin the old-fashioned way? <laughs> nobody has coins anymore. You got coins? I got coins, Nearby? yeah. You yeah. do? Yeah, I got a man's coin right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, it's uh, Peter Manzanelli. He's a big uh, crypto influencer. You should check out some of his stuff. Uh, the problem, though, is it's the same thing on both sides. Oh, that's not yeah, good. yeah. So I went with uh, SAS because I knew we were going to be talking about Sammy Sosa today. <laughs> I was just <laughs> feeling the vibes. All right. It's non fungible, I guess, if it's the same on both sides. Oh, Thank you. Lee. What do you got, Lee? What I got a US, a US one dollar coin, rare. Oh, uh, wow, very I got yeah. a couple of quarters here, and I've got even fifty euro cents. Wow. So there you go, and uh, I got a Canadian five cents. There you go, the beaver. The Canadian beaver. We all love some Canadian beaver. There you go. It's five cents worth. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, the homeland of your birth. The homeland of my birth. The Canadian beaver is called Justin. Oh, Jeannie, could you, uh, could you hurry up and get that classic factory in order, man? So we can just all get back together. Um... Guys, call it there. <laughs> Email your NBA questions in to nodunksattheathletic.com. Seriously here, we're going to probably hit the beach tomorrow. There's only three games on tonight, so we'll do some beach stepping. If you've got a good question about the NBA or non-NBA, send it in, nodunksattheathletic.com. You can tweet it in at nodunksinc. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. And a reminder, new no breaks coming up very soon. It's our F1 podcast live later today here at 2 p.m. Eastern on this very podcast feed so no breaks coming at you until then clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember uh just like the end of this show sometimes it kind of you know kind of hangs on a little bit kind of lingers a little bit uh yeah that's me making decisions a lot of the time that's when my wife will say do you have to do you have to do you have to do you have to let it linger you always put in yeah i know yeah oh i do yeah you do that oh yeah it's weird he loves the linger it lingers on the linger lyrics it's one of those mental mashups you know i just just create new words for here hold on hold on don't go anywhere jd i'll flip the coin and if it comes up heads we gotta just ramble for another minute or two okay and if it comes up tails, well, then I'll say embrace it. Here we go. Tap to flip. Ooh, you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know I had that little uh, 
Tails. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.